This archival program of Design Matters with Debbie Millman was produced for Voice America Internet Radio. New programs with better audio quality are now being produced for Design Observer. You can subscribe in the iTunes Store or at the Observer Media Channel on Design Observer. Welcome to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, the show that takes you inside the provocative and stimulating world of design and branding as it intersects with contemporary culture. Here's your host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. I am not sure if it is because I have passed the 20-year mark working in the field of graphic design, but lately I've been thinking a lot about what I've learned over the years. In reading the book, The Education of an Art Director by Steve Heller and Veronique Vienne, I once again took pause to reflect on my working education and the little bit of knowledge I've gathered over these last two decades. As I did this and as I prepared for a lecture that I needed to present this week at a design conference, I started to make a list, a top 10 of sorts. And as next week marks my 11th anniversary at Sterling, the company where I work, I thought I would share some of these learnings or what I am titling, Things I Have Learned by Making Lots of Mistakes. Consider this part confessional and maybe part inspirational. Number one, fabulous talent is equivalent to operational excellence. If I had to pick one delusional belief system that I find many designers have is this, that being a successful designer is all about being a fabulously talented designer. It is not. That is only one part of the job. Being a fabulously talented designer is essentially achieving what is referred to in business school as operational excellence. Just because you have a fabulous product does not guarantee you will be a success. I think that in order to be truly successful, you must be able to communicate what it is about design that is important and relevant and inspire people to understand it and ultimately feel the same way or challenge. In addition to fabulous talent, you need to be a strong leader, but leadership works both ways. It is a privilege, but it also carries responsibilities. With clients, it is about inspiring clients to choose design work that is both suitable and special for the organization's purpose, putting together sound strategic recommendations to support that choice, and here is the kicker, being accountable to that choice. Number two. How you lead and what you represent is as important as your ideas. There are many ways to lead. Franklin Roosevelt inspired with stirring speeches. Joe DiMaggio led by example. Winston Churchill was exceptionally brave. But whatever it is, your philosophy is very much reflective of what you stand for. This should be apparent in everything that you do. Number three, you need to know what you believe in, whether or not it is popular. Think about where you get your ideas. If it is a popular opinion poll, that is the opposite of leadership. Think about Martin Luther King. Do you think he went around conducting focus groups to discern whether or not I have a dream was relevant? I think not. Number four, vision is easy, strategy is much harder. It amazes me when I hear firms consider themselves strategic design firms and then don't know what the word strategy actually means. Learn strategy and you will find that it takes away much of the subjectivity in evaluating design, especially with clients that don't know anything else about design. Number five, 
I think it's important that as designers we know what we're talking about and I think the best anecdote I could give you about this is to share a conversation that I had with my goddaughter Kayla when she was in third grade and trying to tell me about what she was learning in her first few days of school and as she told me about computers that she was learning and programs that she was trying to understand she hemmed and hawed, stammered and stopped and stalled, and after a few frustrating minutes of trying to tell me what she was learning about, she looked at me and said, Debbie, and I looked back at her and said, Kayla. She said, life is so difficult when you don't know what you're talking about. So I think we need to learn something so thoroughly that it becomes part of our history. Number six, common vocabulary is not always, does not always equate with common behavior. Vocabulary is all about interpretation and definitions and understanding the definitions that your clients attribute to their vocabulary is key. When a client tells you that they want revolutionary work, make sure what they mean by that is not just going from light blue to dark blue, which is what they might consider revolutionary. Unless you're IBM, I don't think that's evolutionary. A revolutionary, rather. Number seven. One day working on a creative brief is worth minimally one week of design time. But be careful with that brief. Can you meaningfully articulate how your design work is going to set your client or your client's products apart? I saw a design brief recently that was trying to define the target market, and these are the words they used. Relevant, contemporary, and for today's mom. And I wondered, if that wasn't there, would we be designing work that was irrelevant, old-fashioned, and for yesterday's mom? I think it's important that we actually use words that resonate. Number eight, be aware of artificial harmony. After you present work, are your clients pleased, or do you sense what Patrick Lencioni calls artificial harmony? If you do, I would recommend that you go with your instincts and consider what needs to be said, not avoid it. Number nine, seek out criticism. I think there are three ways of knowing things in this world. We know what we know. For example, I know I'm a woman. I know I'm 44. I know I'm a little horse today. I know what I don't know. I know I'll never be able to master the theory of relativity and I'll never be on the moon looking at the earth. But what I don't know is what I don't know. And what we all don't know is what we all don't know. And the only way we're going to be able to find that out is to seek out information about what we don't know from the people that we trust, and that includes all the things that we might be doing to sabotage our own happiness or success. And lastly, and probably most importantly for this sunny afternoon in New York and Paris, in the evening, design matters. Every design we create is cinematic because it gets swept up in the swift sequence of messages that precede and follow it. The condition of design now reflects the condition of our culture. Designers have the power to help shape the way the world is viewed, and we need to take this responsibility seriously. We have the power to make a difference now, and frankly, we should. Welcome to Design Matters with Debbie Millman. My guests today are Steve Heller and Veronique Vienne, co-authors of the book I was referring to in my monologue today, The Education of an Art Director. Before we get started with our interview, let me tell you a little bit more about them, and this is just a little bit. Veronique Vienne is a former magazine art director and creative director who has written extensively on design ethics and business practices. She has edited, art directed, and written for high-profile magazines such as Print, 
Communication Arts, Martha Stewart Living, House and Garden, In Style, Real Simple, Oprah ID, and many, many more. She is also the author of the best-selling and marvelous The Art of Doing Nothing and subsequent titles including The Art of Imperfection, The Art of Growing Up, and The Art of the Moment. She is a faculty member of the MFA Design Program at the School of Visual Arts and teaches a course in design criticism and social responsibility. Stephen Heller is the art director of the New York Times Book Review. He is also the co-chair of the MFA Design Department at the School of Visual Arts. He contributes regularly to magazines such as Print, I, Baseline, and Metropolis. He also edits Voice, the American Institute of Graphic Arts online journal of graphic design. And he has authored, co-authored, or edited over 90 books, including the Education of series, the Looking Closer series, Design Literacy, Teaching Graphic Design, Text on Type, and Graphic Design History, all published by Allworth Press. He received the AIGA Design Legends Gala, Medal in 1999. Welcome, Steve and Veronique. Hey. hey. Hello. Hi. How are you? Bonsoir, Veronique. Bonsoir, yes. <laughs> That's about as authentically French as I'm going to get today. <laughs> Steve, um, I want to talk about your latest book with Veronique, The Art, The Education of an Art Director. The first line of the book reads as follows. Educationally speaking, art direction is a curious phenomenon. Why do you think that? Well, you don't get taught art direction. You know, just uh, ask people whether they went to art direction school, and they will look blankly. Ask an, uh, an educator if they teach art direction, and they will say, no, how can we? Mm-hmm. Art direction is a kind of acquired uh, discipline, and so it's an anomaly in school. You end up doing it. Uh, you end up becoming an ad hoc art director, and then segueing into art direction, but I don't think anybody really goes into it um, to study or deliberately knowing they're going to be an art director. I certainly didn't. I don't know about Veronique. Well, I know that there's never been a class devoted to it, but why is that? I mean, is it something that can't be taught? No, it can be taught, uh, and, and you learn it at, when you're working at a magazine or you're working at an advertising agency. You, you learn how to be an art director by uh, virtue of doing the job, but it's just... It's, it's a subset of, of graphic design. It's a subset of creative direction. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not something that uh, is, is a high-profile profession, so schools don't um, carry those courses, even though it is high-profile. I was going to say. We do know yeah. many, many art directors, but it's, they started off as something else. Now, Veronique, something you said early on in, in the book intrigued me, and you said you can tell if an art director is trained or self-taught by their handling of type. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, I, um, I always felt that one of the weaknesses as an art director was that I did not or wasn't trained as a typographer. Um, and I still have the highest respect for people who understand typography um, because, I mean, I think... The, the way to to define our direction, you have to marry together image and and we or rather art and edit and the way you handle words is very important and uh, and so so it's easy to sort of stuck word on top of of images if you are an art director for a magazine or a book or whatever but I think there's a fine very very fine craft in marrying together those two things. It's only one part of our direction. Actually, I was thinking of what is our direction. 
And uh, Steve and I were talking about it in the introduction, and Steve proposed that it was more like being an orchestra director, somebody mm. who just, Conductor. you know, brings everything together. And you don't uh, have to be a graphic designer to be an art director. You, you don't, don't have to be no. a typographer to be an art director, but you do have to know how to bring things together. Yeah. you got, you got to make, as they say in uh, Yiddish, shittics. <laughs> I know. Well, actually, what I was thinking of, what, is, what is the art director? What is the main quality of an art director? We were thinking of the chef, you know, that cooks, to, cooks different ingredients together. But the truth is I felt that, like a wedding planner when I was an art director. <laughs> like I had to marry, to wed together, you know, uh, uh, two different parties, you know, the uh, the the art and the edit. And, of course, you know, to do that, uh, you have to be able to understand both. And typography is definitely part of it. Well, we have to take a break, but I really want to speak for this entire hour about this marvelous book, which I was just so incredibly inspired by, which, of course, can be purchased on Amazon.com. And I urge our readers to buy this book. It is so wonderful. I'd like to let everybody know that they're listening to Design Matters with Debbie Melman on Voice America Business. I am your host, Debbie Melman, and my guests today are Steve Heller and Veronique Vienne. We'll be right back with our broadcast after these messages. Please don't go with me. Listen wherever you are. 24-hour business and financial news. Solid, focused, and informed. The leader in business talk. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. And now, Voices of Design, a documentary series brought to you by Adobe Systems. The Voices of Design series brings together different voices from the design community to share and exchange ideas on various topics. Today's show features a three-part discussion focused on the topic of sustainability. This is part one. Enjoy. What is sustainability, and what does it mean to the design community? Let's listen to what the designers at the Compost Modern 2006 conference have to say on this topic in Adobe's Voices of Design series. Here is Phil Hamlet, Chairman, AIGA Environmental Committee. The definition of sustainability that I like to use is quite simple. It's basically leave the place in better shape than you found it. Scott Summit, Summit ID. Sustainability is particularly elusive, especially in industrial design, and that's one of the main reasons I'm here is to try to get a handle on what it means and just how it applies to what I do every day and what I can impart to my clients. Mark Willard, IDO. The pressure's on, and whoever solves it in a more sustainable and desirable way is ahead of the game and, and is what, whether people sort of consciously or subconsciously know it, it's, it's definitely what we need. You have been listening to the Voices of Design series brought to you by Adobe Systems. Hi, I'm Daryl and Reese of Campbell Soup Company, and I'm excited to invite you to the Fuse brand identity and package design event this April in New York City. Join me in discussing the power of research and design as they come together in a strategic huddle to drive the Campbell's Chunky brand into the end zone. Plus, hear from design gurus Rem Kulhas and Philip Stark, as well as brand leaders from Method, Nike, and Target, who will discuss how synergistic strategy and design drive brand innovation, consumer loyalty, and profitability. For more information, call 888-670-8200, visit www.iirusa.com forward slash BIPD, 
or email register at iirusa.com. Mention that you heard about the event from Design Matters and receive a $200 discount off the standard fee. Rise to the challenge. See you in New York City on April 24th through the 26th at the Waldorf Astoria. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. We're back with Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you have a question for Debbie, feel free to call us at 866-472-5790. Once again, here's the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Welcome back. It is 3.17 Eastern Time. It's 9.17 in Paris, where Veronique is. And you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, live from the Empire State Building in New York City. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guests today are Steve Heller and Veronique Vienne. Our phone lines are now open. If you'd like to join our conversation, if you have a question for Steve or Veronique, please call 1-866-472-5790. So um, before our break, we were talking about why or why not there is any education for art direction. And one of the um, things that you said, Steve, in the book is that an art director is really a charlatan. Tell us more about that. Hmm. I said that. Yes, you did. <laughs> you ask. Actually, you didn't. You didn't declare it. You ask if the art director is a charlatan. Well, the art director, you know, has these two words f- fused together: art and director. And many of us who have become art directors are not about art. You know, we're about orchestration. We're about making something out of nothing. But it's not necessarily art. So the terminology is not necessarily uh, correct. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily accurate. Right. Um, so, and w- we do direct, but we also respond. And so it's a, it's a very awkward term to call us art directors. That's why I think when Milton Glaser took over New York Magazine when it was founded, when mm-hmm. he helped found it, he called himself a creative director. He took that word out of there. Mm-hmm. There was still an art director, but at the same time, he saw that there was a bigger role that the person who does what we're calling an art director plays. And so I think to that extent, you know, we're charlatans in, in, term, in semantically speaking. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because I know a lot of students listen to the show, and I'm wondering if art direction isn't taught in schools. What would you say the definition is for them as students of design that might not be aware of what even the field of art direction is about? Well, I think the first thing to do is ask what is an art director and then get the 15 or 16 different answers Mm. to what is an art director, what does an art director do? An art director in one place does one thing and another place does another thing. And find out basically that this art director, as Veronique said and I said also, is, is a conductor, is a chef, is somebody who mixes all these ingredients together in their context mm-hmm. and works with a lot of people and is a marionette maker, player. Uh, oh, I like that. It's a, it's a lot of things, and so it's very difficult to define as one. And our book really takes a look at all different kinds of people who work under this umbrella of art director working in different disciplines. Now, Veronique, um, you say in the book that in, in the use of the word art in art direction, that art is a scary word for most Americans. And I wanted to get your thought, more of your thoughts on that. Oh, absolutely. I think um, the 
it's it's a scary word, and because for a lot of people, the art, art director is the person who spends the money. That's what I realized. Mm-hmm. The editor thinks you're going to always go over budget, and and because you're an artist, you're not respons- fiscally responsible, and uh, that's the association. At the same time, I think that it is scary, which is great. I think scaring people is, you know, terrorizing the neighborhood a little bit is not bad. Um, a lot of people who work with our director, like editors or, or clients or, or sometimes people in the editorial side, don't understand what our director do. And I spent a lot of time trying to explain what I did when I was an art director, and then I realized, why not? Why not just be the, the mystery person? You know, it, it gives you an advantage in a way to to be always a little bit, um, put a little people on edges a little bit. Uh, in, in a way, it gives you the freedom to, to invent what you're doing. And that's a lot of what the art director does. Don't you think, Steve, it's a bit of a magician. What you have to do, you know, one of the interesting questions is what's the difference between a designer and an art director? And maybe, Steve you could help clarify this because it's very important, I think. The designer is the one that creates the aesthetic Mm -hmm. materials. The art director creates the environment. And an art director, you know, we, we write headlines, we pick copy, we choose photographs, we do all sorts of nitty-gritty things that then the art director, I'm sorry, then the designer takes and makes magic with. Mm -hmm. You know, art directors who are designers you know, they have it made. But art directors who rely on designers have to understand that the designer then is going to take something from whole cl- from the cloth that you've given them and make it better, make the embroidery. And I, th- I think that's what uh, a designer really is. It's the embroiderer, and we're kind of the manufacturer or we're the supplier mm-hmm. uh, who, who gives them that material. Yeah, we have to come up with ideas. I think we 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 are telling a story. Don't you think so? We have to yeah. be able to conceptualize and tell uh, the, the the story in broad terms, and then the designer sort of um, picks the um, gives it form. Yes, but storytelling is very important, and, and the art director, I feel, is on the same plane as an editor. Yeah, the absolutely. problem the problem is an editor doesn't think an art director is on the same plane, yeah. well, and, I know. Yeah. and that makes for for controversy. That also makes for very tense relationships sometimes, or it makes for a great relationship when that collaboration really works. Well, Veronique, you talk about being upset that art directors are systematically marginalized. Those are the yeah. words that you used. Um, explain what you mean by that. Well, I think it's the uh, the uh, traditional separation between uh, words and images. An author, the word author means the person, uh, you know, who has the authority. So people with words have the authority, naturally. And they think that the visual, uh, the people who do the visuals are slightly less uh, intellectual and a little less smart, you know. And and so, in a way, that's why I became a writer. I sort of wanted to show that an art director could also think. I had some, you know, I had something to prove. Um, I was tired of being sort of kept out of editorial meetings sometimes or, you know, given a, a brief and asked to, uh, uh, not invited, you know, if you want, upstream to think about the uh, abstractions. 
It's not, oh, well, Steve wanted to add something. Well, one of my favorite art directors of all time is a man named Frank Zachary, who Veronique knows. He was the art director for Holiday Magazine, but before that he was the editor of Portfolio Magazine, which Alexei Brodovich designed and art directed. Then he became the editor of Town and Country for many years. And that is just the perfect uh, job to have, to have been in the visual end, where that was his bailiwick, and then become an editor so he understands the visual end. But he was never a designer. Mm -hmm. He was always the mover of pieces around the board. And it was logical that he became an art director. Just as in film, it's logical that cameramen become directors. It's logical that some art directors have become, like Ridley Scott, has become a director. So the, the art director is kind of a catch-all for a lot of uh, activity. We have uh, a number of people on the line. First caller is Isabel. Isabel, thank you for calling Design Matters. Hi, Steve and Debbie and Veronique. Um, initially, I was going to ask you while I was waiting to ask the question I was on hold, you answered my question. I wanted to know who is making a difference in art direction now, and you mentioned Frank Zachary. So in addition to Frank Zachary, do you find that anyone else is really making a huge difference? And if possible, can you possibly list some examples of work that you find amazing? <laughs> well, Frank Zachary, by the way, is long retired. He's right. in his 80s. Ah. And uh, I miss him from the magazine world, but thank heavens he's still with us. Um, there are many art directors out there who do tremendous work, and, and one of them I've always admired for, for his talent, for his force, for his aesthetics, for his uh, intelligence is Frank, uh, I'm sorry, Fred Woodward, uh, who was with Rolling Stone for 12 years and now GQ. And um, you could say he's old guard because he's been around for so long, but you wouldn't be able to know that from the work that he does. He's a designer. He knows how to delegate design. He knows how to inspire designers. He knows how to work with editors. Uh, he was sought after by editors, which is why he's uh, at GQ. Um, he is an He's worked in, in television, he's worked with photography, he's worked with illustration. He is a renaissance art director, and I think he has long made a difference. Yeah, but I think we should also talk about our, direct, our directors in, in advertising, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a soft spot for Brian Collins as a, as a creative director, art director in advertising. And Brian works at the Brand Integration Group at Oakley yeah. and Maine. Yeah, Brian there is many, the Brand Integration Group. So many of them. They're brilliant, brilliant individuals. And Brian, who also teaches in the MFA program that Veronique uh, teaches in and I am co-chair of, he is an amazing powerhouse. He understands how not only what a brand is, but what the story is. And he's a storyteller, and that goes back to what Veronique was saying. He uses his storytelling ability, and he funnels it into the brand experience, uh, into the visual experience. But it's, it's a totality. It's, it's a holistic experience, not simply, I'm taking care of the visual part. I'll do the logo and make sure it goes throughout America in a fast and speedy manner. Well, I think he's a true advocate for branding being a holistic part of the story and the story being a holistic part of the brand. Right. Um, did that answer your question, Isabel? It certainly did. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for calling. Thanks. We have another caller, Stephen. Thank you for calling Design Matters. Stephen, are you there? Yes. Okay, well, I will uh, ask more questions than I have. <laughs> um, you both talk about visual thinking being key in the book. 
um, and that art directors must provide what you call visual intelligence. How does one develop visual intelligence? Well, it's something that you do over time. Uh, I think any undergraduate coming out into the field has certain instincts, and hopefully they've been given certain skills. And then over time you learn what, if you're in an editorial, what a journalistic sensibility is and, and how to translate that visually. You learn by working with others, by working with photographers or illustrators. And, and through that you develop a visual intelligence. I think we all, those of us who have either left or right brains, whatever it is, we all have that instinct. But you have to massage it. You have to practice it. You have to exercise it in order to make it work so that it happens in the same way you, you speak with visual, uh, verbal language. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to be second nature. Yeah, I think you also learn from uh, uh, from looking at the work of other people you admire and studying, actually studying their work over a period of time and seeing how they have involved an intelligence. I was thinking, for example, some someone who is not exactly an art director, who calls herself a visuals editor. She works mm -hmm. at uh, the New Yorker. Uh, her name is Elizabeth Biondi. She uh, she's sort of a power behind the photographs, and she brought in photographs into the New Yorker, which was, of course, a, a, a very uh, a strategic thing to do. But it's the intelligence that she brings to the choice of photograph. And if you week after week you look at her work, you develop a sensibility, and you start to understand what she's doing. And you do that with a lot of individuals, and you learn from them. That's how I did it, anyway. I, uh, one of the people I admired ever since I was a kid, I, I had heard about him early on, was George Lois. And mm -hmm. George Lois, you know, prides himself on being an art director. He ran his own agency for many, many years. But he prided himself on being an art director because he was a designer before he became the art director. And then the art direction involved visual thinking, it involved literal thinking, he, it involved history, it involved all those issues, the, all those m pieces of matter mm -hmm. that make you an intelligence. Well, when we come back from our break, I'd like to talk to you both about how personal aesthetics figure into art direction, uh, but we do have to take another break. I'd like to let everybody know that they're listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today are the lovely Steve Heller and fabulous Veronique Vienne. We will be right back with our broadcast after these messages. So don't go away. Fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared for continuing business education. Business Talk Radio. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. And now, part two of Adobe's Voices of Design series, a documentary that brings together different voices from the design community to share and exchange. Today's topic is sustainability. Enjoy. The challenge of sustainable design. Let's listen to what the designers at the Compost Modern 2006 conference have to say on this topic in Adobe's Voices of Design series. Here is Sonora Bean. Digital Hive Ecological Design. Sustainability isn't just a great idea, but it's a design challenge. And so as designers, how can we use our skills and our thinking and our strategy to promote social change? Ron Radziner, 
Marmel Radziner Architects. I think that architecture as a profession that we've become too removed from the actual act of making and we've become kind of just aesthetic consultants and I think that our office is this attempt to bring that all back together which is really how buildings used to be designed and built and take responsibility for what we design. You have been listening to the Voices of Design series brought to you by Adobe Systems. Hello, I'm Sharon Ryder Lindbergh from Unilever North America. I'll be speaking at FUSE Brand Identity and Package Design event in April at the Waldorf Astoria in New York City. I'll be discussing the development and the rollout of the new Hellman's Global Brand Identity. FUSE is the destination for brand design leaders. Will you be there? Visit www.iirusa.com backslash BIPD or call 888-670-8200 to find out more about this great event. Consider this an investment in your brand's future. Clear your calendar and prepare to walk away with inspiration, insight, and creative new ideas to implement when you return to the office. Stay at the top of your game. Visit www.iirusa.com backslash BIPD today. Mention design and you'll receive a $200 discount off the standard fee. Look forward to seeing you in New York in, in April. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. We're back with Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you have a question for Debbie, feel free to call us at 866-472-5790. Once again, here's the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Live from the Empire State Building in New York City and Paris, France, you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, the only talk radio show on the Internet focusing on issues relating to graphic design. I am Debbie Melman, your host, and my guests today are Steve Heller and Veronique Vienne. If you'd like to join our conversation, our phone lines are open. We already have a caller. Steve is back. Steve, thank you for calling Design Matters. Thank you. I'm very happy to have gotten through. Uh, my question is about the art director. It seems like anyone really has the ability, well, not anyone, but anyone could become an art director no matter where they're starting from. So I wanted to know, what are the unique qualities that make a good art director? What is something that you have to have to be successful at that position? Patience. Culture. <laughs> Aesthetics. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anybody can be an art director. You know, you really do have to. I know many good designers who can't be art directors because they can't delegate, because they can't... Uh, work well with other people, uh, i.e. collaborate. Um, I think what it, it takes is a real ability to separate in part from um, your ego because you're working with a lot of other egos. Therefore, uh, you have to be able to uh, collaborate with those people, get them to do what you want them to do or need them to do, and at the same time, give them their integrity. Let them have their uh, points of view. And, and that's a difficult thing for many people, particularly folks who are uh, uh, control freaks. Yeah, you have to really respect the, uh, the different uh, talent you work with. You have to respect their idiosyncrasies. You have to respect the fact that they are weird often. You have to nurture their ego. You have to be patient. 
you cannot judge them. Uh, uh, it, it's exciting in a way. It's it's. Uh, but I think respect is very important. But you also have to be a good teacher, because what an art director ultimately is, uh, in, in when when they are good, when they are really effective, is someone who teaches and inspires. And you've uh, you hear this all the time from illustrators, from uh, photographers. That art director got the best out of me. Mm. And that is the highest compliment that an art director can have, getting the best out of you. I also think that it's about being able to interpret well and also edit well. And I don't mean editing language. I mean editing ideas. Um, Thank you for calling, Steve. Thank you. Um, Veronique, you, you recollect how you've run into quite a few art directors that have managed to force their personal aesthetics onto others, and you cite people like Fabian Barron, David Carson, and Chip Kidd. And do you think it's because they're more talented and better at communicating what design can accomplish? What is it that makes them so much more capable of enforcing their personal aesthetics, so to speak? Um, I think they, I don't know, I wish I, I, I knew because I'd, I'd love to, to be able to, uh, to have that self-confidence that they have. One thing they do is they do not compromise. Mm-hmm. They're not afraid. They're not trying to please the client or the, their boss or they, they are ready to lose it all. And that's, uh, uh, uh that's very important. I think they, they, they're not, selling out, in a way. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very easy to run into conflict doing that. I mean, there are many art directors who have those strong personalities who, um, when a new editor or a new producer or a new uh, publisher come in, they're out. Right. They're gone. Absolutely. Because their personality reflects something else. And the first thing to do, the first line of change, is to get rid of your art director. Uh, particularly one that has that uncompromising uh, position. Mm-hmm. But I remember Fabien Baron a long time ago telling me the story that when he came up with CK1, the campaign mm-hmm. for Calvin Klein, he presented it all to Calvin Klein as one fait accompli. And Calvin Klein looked at the whole thing and wasn't sure he liked it and, and wanted some changes. And Fabien apparently said to me, he said, to Calvin Klein, well, think about it overnight and call me back tomorrow instead of saying, well, I'll change it. And Calvin Klein called him back the next day and said, I love it. And then they run, they run it exactly the way Fabien had proposed it the first time. But he had to have the confidence to say to Calvin Klein, well, think about it. And the courage. And the courage and not care about the result because he really believed in what he was doing. And mm-hmm. that's how CK1, I don't sure remember, was a, was oh, a breakthrough yeah. campaign. Sure, sure. Um, while we were speaking of Chip Kidd, he actually uh, sent an email to me today asking me to ask Steve a question because he was going to be on a plane when the show was airing. And uh, so I'm going to read it. Um, and he asked me, actually, if I was feeling frisky today and if I was to, to, to read it. And I am indeed feeling frisky. So here it goes. Hey, Debbie, I'm en route to the L.A. Times Book Festival for the weekend, so I won't be able to listen. But if you're feeling frisky, you might want to ask Mr. Heller why he panned my book in January's print magazine. Totally pissed all over it, and I'm curious as to why it's ethical to review a book in which one is significantly cited and quoted, favorably, I might add. Just asking. I'm sure Veronique would have an opinion as well, for obvious reasons. Well, the answer is, I critique graphic design in print. 
and I critique graphic design in books. And that's what I do. Now, I know and respect Chip Kidd. He's a fantastic designer. And I took issue with the book. Uh, I'm not going to repeat my no, no. Criti criticism here, but we'll get everybody what, what's interesting and what we haven't discussed here because we are talking about art direction is the position of the critic in our field. And that's another thing that we don't learn about in school. We don't get educated. Mm -hmm. What we're, We are, in fact, uh, kind of leery. We say, wouldn't we love criticism except when it happens to us? So I, in, in the spirit of respect, because I felt that here is somebody who deserves to be reviewed, and I, I saw other good reviews of, of mm -hmm. the book. Oh, yeah, many, many. And I, I gave him what I considered that respect. I also didn't piss all over him. I, I took issue with aspects of the book. Veronique, mm -hmm. any opinions? Yes, I think being able to criticize, actually, as an art director, you have to be able to, as Steve was saying, to teach, but also sometimes to tell someone that's not right and, uh, and, and, and make it a, 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 a positive kind of criticism so that they can move on and do better. So I think being critical is an art. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you, have to, you have to learn to do that. I also think response to criticism is invariably going to be negative because we don't like it. We don't want it, mm -hmm. in, in, uh, mm -hmm. uh, even the positive stuff. And to characterize something as pissing all over is, makes it into a negative as opposed to addressing the book on critical level on a criti with a critical terminology. It could be right, it could be wrong. I'm not saying I was right, I'm not saying I was wrong, but it was a critical position based on what I know of an individual's work, and an important individual. Mm -hmm. Very Yes, very much so. Um, it's funny because when I first saw the book, I was, I was overwhelmed by it, and I, I think I did what Varen explained uh, that Calvin Klein did with uh, his work from Fabian Baron, which was to sleep on it, and I did, and then the next day I woke up and I was like, wow, this is amazing. So everybody has different opinions, everybody has different points of view, and I think that that's probably what makes critique and dialogue so important and so necessary and so intriguing. But this is also what art directors do. I mean, mm -hmm. part of their role is to be a critic. Yes. Part of their role is to mediate between uh, the word people and the visual people, between the visual people and the visual people. I mean, there's so much mediation and so much need to understand the discipline of criticism as an art director uh, that it's, it's a shame that it doesn't get taught, certainly in the undergraduate and sometimes in the graduate level. Well, we spoke about Brian Collins a little while ago, and something that he has said to me that was also quoted in, in your book is that style is just a search for accuracy, and I think that critique is a search for accuracy as well. Sure, and somebody like Brian has to be able to go into his client with ideas and then be able to... Uh, weigh those ideas against the ideas that the client had or preconceptions that the client had. And that's a real talent that art directors have. Right. Even more so than designers who are more or less producing the thing that will be advocated by the art director. Well, we're going to have to take our last break of the afternoon. I'd like to let everybody know that they're listening to Design Matters with Debbie Melman. I am your host, Debbie Melman. My guests today are the erudite Steve Heller and Veronique Vienne, two 
fantastic minds in our community. We will be back. If you have questions, please call. We'll be back in a moment. Fresh, dynamic, and totally prepared for continuing business education. Business Talk Radio. Voice America Business at voiceamerica.com. And now, part two of Adobe's Voices of Design series, a documentary that brings together different voices from the design community to share and exchange. Today's topic is sustainability. Enjoy. The power of designers and their influence on sustainability. Let's listen to what the designers at the Compost Modern 2006 conference have to say on this topic in Adobe's Voices of Design series. Here's Michael Schwab, Schwab Design. Design does influence people, and whether it's subconsciously or, or obviously, design does mean a lot, and, and, and it leaves a lasting impression. Paul Sappho, Institute for the Future. Designers are thought leaders, and they're action leaders. Designers have got to get this right, and they've got to define it right, because if they get it wrong, all their wrong ideas are going to be embedded in everything everybody else uses. Mark Willard. IDO. Designers have been shaping culture for as long as there's been design. We have a huge opportunity, and I think before long it's going to be an obligation or a mandate to figure out how to solve these projects, these issues, these desires with sustainably relevant solutions. You have been listening to the Voices of Design series brought to you by Adobe Systems. The challenge of change comes as ramped up due to the advent of information age and the interconnectedness of global community. In a high-tech world, the ability to embrace change, adapt, and respond accordingly is key to personal and professional success. Talking Change with Ann Powers, airing every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, explores the hows, whys, and what to do when faced with change. Embrace the new reality, adopt transition into your personal power portfolio, and tune into Talking Change with Ann Powers every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time right here on the bottom line of business talk voice america business Learn to thrive, not just survive in business and careers. Unleash your full potential and greatness with the Thrive Factor, unleashing your potential. With tactical coaches and success masters, hosts Dory Willer and Eva Gregory. Dory, Eva, and their masters of thriving expert guests inform, educate, elucidate, and inspire with leading-edge information. The Thrive Factor, unleashing your potential. With Dory Willer and Eva Gregory, broadcast each Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. The Thrive Factor. Success and inspiration at the click of a mouse. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America Business. We're back with Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you have a question for Debbie, feel free to call us at 866-472-5790. Once again, here's the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Welcome back. It is 3.47 Eastern Time, and you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, live from the Empire State Building in New York City. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guests today are Steve Heller and Veronique Vienne. We are talking about their book. They co-wrote, co-edited, The Education of an Art Director. And I don't think any conversation would be complete about art direction without talking about the great Alexander Lieberman. And, Veronique, you wrote in your essay on Mr. Lieberman, who oversaw the magazines at Condé Nast, including Vogue, Glamour, House and Garden, Vanity Fair, that he never read the text before laying out a story 
and that he even once reprimanded you for reading an article before you laid it out when you worked at Self Magazine. And he told you that it was best for you not to get involved with the text. His role, he told you, was to communicate ideas, not to illustrate words. So can you tell me a little bit about what you both think of that? Shall I start? Go ahead. I think he's... uh, he, uh, he, he was the reader. He wanted to be the reader who had not read the article, who might not read the article, who was not particularly interested in, in reading but wanted the magazine to be the, communi- the tool of communication. So he wanted to grab on to, uh, to what was interesting about an article but not, not through, the, through the details. Uh, so uh, it, was, it was very um, instinctive. But, of course, he didn't read the article, but he had the editor right there, and he would torment, torment the poor <laughs> editor for them to, uh, to, give them, to give him the essence of what it was all about. What I loved about Lieberman is that he was an art director who was the czar of Condé Nast, which meant every editor had to bow to him. Mm-hmm. And that is what we all dream when we get pissed on by editors, that we had that power, that our fathers or grandmothers owned the company, and we could get our revenge, and Mm -hmm. Lieberman had that. Lieberman always poo-pooed design. He was an Mm -hmm. art director who who felt design was uh, superfluous. He felt that it was frou-frou, and he took great pride in doing what he called journalistic design or journalistic makeup and then he he became something of a pariah among designers when he turned to a kind of punk or sensationalist sensibility in the the 70s where type just didn't matter it it wasn't that he wanted a beautiful piece of type uh, even though he once did that in the early vogues he wanted something that had grit that had a response to the material that responded to the uh, to the culture uh, there's a certain greatness about him simply because he was a maverick, simply because he was the head and he could do what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Well, I know yeah, he hated you, the you title You cannot talk about our direction without mentioning Alex Lieberman, and then there is the other person who is the exact opposite of Alex and just as important, uh, which sort of the bright side of our direction, which is, uh, who is uh, Milton Glaser. Of course. And, uh, and so these, these were my two mentors, if you want, uh, Alex Lieberman for the dark side and Milton Glaser for the bright side mm-hmm. of our direction. I think they were, both, they were both really interesting to contrast those two men. I would like to add one other person to this because... When I came to the New York Times, the uh, person I was brought in by, uh, in addition to Lou Silverstein, who was the overall art director, was um, uh, Ruth Ansel. And Ruth Ansel had worked with Marvin Israel. I mean, there's a a great lineage. There's a wonderful history of art directors. And I used to watch her put type down on the page. And speaking of the bright side of the, uh, you know, she, she... sweated she sweated buckets over whether the letting was right whether the the face was correct she would go through hundreds of different faces with those big black uh, uh, frames that would go over a page before the days of computer. And I would sit there and I would think, this is not what I want to do. But it's fascinating to watch because it's really about perfection and the end product is going to be impeccable and it's going to be beautiful. 
as long as it wasn't interfered with. And sometimes it got interfered with by people who didn't understand that impeccableness. Sure, of course. I, I mean, talking about pissing, at Veronique, you talked about in the book, um, you related a story when Alexander Lieberman told you that a layout that you had done was simply lurid. Yes. <laughs> Can but you relate the story? Some other time he said, are you a scarf designer? Are you, you know, this is m much too pretty. And, and he would, you know, be just as nasty when I did something that that was pretty or that was elegant. And then the next day I would present something that was really uh, 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 trashy, and he would he would tell me it was lurid. So you could never be right. <laughs> we probably have tons of war stories because that's what you get when you're an art director. Right. And if you get wounded in the battle, you just have to sew up your uh, uh, your sore and come back again. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't think. I mean, there's this little. Um, saying I have on my wall, which I've referred to before in the show, well-behaved well women rarely make history. I think I could easily change that to well-behaved people rarely make history. Um, but we have one another caller on the line, Elaine from New Jersey. Thank you for calling Design Matters. Hi. I have a question for both of you. I, we recently had an opportunity to pitch a, um, a well-known TV chef for overall branding program. But she said that she has her... You know, publishers designing her books and they know how to brand the books and the TV people know how to brand the program and the packaging people know how to brand the, the product that she's doing. I was wondering how you feel about having sort of that decentralized attack on, on the, on a, a brand or do you think it's advisable to sort of have that come from one place? Well, I think it really depends. It's it, Nothing is absolute. It's relative. And if there are good people doing one and they may not have expertise in the other, so be it. But I think if you can make a whole package and pitch a whole package, you're better off, even if the response is uh, what, you, what you got. But, you know, to have a, a, a totality, a sense of everything, is what uh, a good art director does have. Thank you. Yeah, I think brand can be something... Um, Instinctive, you know, it doesn't have to be a science. It could just—it's expressing a personality, basically. Thank you for calling Design Matters, Elaine. Thank you. Bye. Um, you've written a, a number of books together. You collaborate often, and I wonder—do you ever disagree in your collaborations? Never. Never. <laughs> Have we ever disagreed? You better not disagree with me. <laughs> No, I don't remember. We we had fun writing that uh, conversation at the beginning of the the forward. We know we would go back and forth. Yes, it's fantastic. Uh, See, I'm seduced by Veronique's accent. You know, anything she says well, is, is all right with me. So I, I never argue with her. When I write, nobody can hear my accent. That's the <laughs> only reason why I write. So what are you both working on now in our last few minutes before well, our close? I'm. I always work on a few things at once, but my big book now is called Branding the Totalitarian State and it's a history of, of the visual uh, particularly the graphic in uh, five um, major totalitarian regimes of the 20th century Wow, Veronique, what about you? Oh, I have a book coming out I'm afraid to tell you the title it's called The Art of Being a Woman oh. and, uh, but it's basically about joie de vivre it's about uh, love and laughter so it's that other side of my work. It's sort of the mainstream uh, uh, essays yes. on lifestyle. So Veronique is about love and laughter, and I'm about 
uh, the Iron Fist. <laughs> right. And I'm sort of schizophrenic right in the middle. <laughs> well, we've come to the end of our show. I want to thank you both so much for joining me today. Um, I'd also like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Adobe and Nina Paper. I'd like to thank Brian Travis and Ruben Colomb at Voice America, my staff and my partners at Sterling, especially Lisa Grant, and my chief researcher, Jen Simon. Joining me next week, we have one of our most popular shows coming back, Bad Boys of Design 2006. Josh Chen, Manuel Toscano, Alan Dye, and Lane Bronstein. Thank you for listening, and remember, we can talk about making a difference, we can make a difference, or we can do both. I am Debbie Millman, and I look forward to talking with you next week. Voice America Business would like to thank you for tuning in for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Be sure to listen every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for another exciting hour of Design Matters. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. 